Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this part in October of 2023. And welcome to episode 119, a conversation with one of our favorite people, Annalise Record. Which, by the way, I got to see her at Disney. I know. I'm jealous. <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. You didn't even tell me about it, actually, until after the fact. Maybe that's because you knew I was going to be jealous. No, you knew I was going. We talked what, about that. I? Yeah, you knew. We said it on an episode that I was oh going to be trying to meet up with her. It's just been, oh, yes, okay. I know. It's, it's been, everything is is just like mushed. blending yes. into each other and I don't even know what's what. Do you know, I still, I'm looking at it right now. I have a present from for you from the BTC conference that I have not even given to you yet. Oh my gosh. I haven't seen you. I, I mean, I've seen you, but I yeah. haven't. In person. In person. I know. I know. Well, maybe on one of mom's and my Sunday adventures, we'll have to just stop and and give you the present because okay. I think you're just going to love it. So, Oh, I'm sure I will. <laughs> okay. Well, first we want to give a shout out to our friend, Sasha. Hi, Sasha. Yes. She tweeted or Xed or whatever it's called in September at Laura and Karina listening to your season opener at Mrs. Cousins 5 and at I Teach the Why. I have parked my car after my eight-minute commute and put the episode on pause, shouting in my car, and I'm sure you can hear me in Florida from Western Canada. I miss you. Aww. <laughs> we miss you too, Sasha. We miss you too, yes. we. I'm sure we will see you soon with our Productive Struggle book club, the one that's PMS. Right. PMS that's coming up. PMS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to tell John that. I I haven't. I, I need to tell John that. Yeah, that's hilarious. Okay. I have a reflection. And this was the reflection that I said I was going to save for this episode. Yes. So, you know, when I was teaching the, the third, fourth, and fifth grade acceleration classes for a week, and yes. I was with the fourth graders, and we're doing fifth grade standards for multiplication. And it's all the way up to like what is it? Four digit by one digit or two by two or three by two or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. The point is they were so lost. Oh. And I said to them, you know what? Let's stop a second. Let's come to the carpet. And I grabbed some big, big, um, it wasn't even one inch graph paper. It was smaller than an inch, but bigger than a centimeter. And I said, I, maybe last year, Maybe I'm just thinking, you know, y'all went too fast and so many of them agreed and were like, yeah, yes, because I said, I don't think you really understand what's happening with multiplication and you're trying to use this area model, but, but it, it doesn't make sense to you. And they all agreed. So we got on the floor and the graph paper, I, I sketched out, I was literally counting one, two, three, and it, 
so that I could still write numbers on the top and the side. I did an 18 by 14 mm-hmm. array. I mean, you know, area. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I said to them, nah, take a crayon. I was like, don't use a light crayon because I can't see it, you know. <laughs> and one kid goes back with yellow. I was like, come here, please. Come here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's always even, one, Laura. And, There's always one. <laughs> and even that peach, I'm like, mm, Okay. So I said, I want you to recreate this 18 by 14 area, and I want you to chop it up in some way that makes sense to you. And I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Now, hold on a second. I forgot to tell you. I did a couple things before that. I did a two by three area and I wrote out the two and I wrote out the three and we talked about, you know, two rows and three columns in each. So how many squares? So it's six squares. And then I did something else that was small. I think I did like a a seven by eight. And I was like, listen, if you don't know what seven by eight is, what if you, you know, and I keep telling them 10, any multiple of 10 is the most friendly number. And then I was like, what's the next most friendly number? five or any multiple of five. So I said, how about we do, you know, sections with five rows and five columns, and then we'll deal with the rest. So we broke up the 56 in that way. And, and they got, they got it. And then, then I did the 18 by 14 and maybe I went too far because they had to, they didn't have to, but they could have made four sections or more. And I'm, and I'm literally sitting there and I'm waiting for at least five minutes. And I look up at them. I'm still sitting on the floor on the carpet and I'm looking at them at their tables and I'm like, what's happening? Like what, yeah. what's taking so long? And finally one kid comes over and didn't use the actual squares. And I handed him another piece of paper and I was like, try again, buddy. Like, I actually want you to use the squares that, you know, like he chopped it four, but there were only two rows. And I'm like, nope, nope, I I really want you. So after about 10 minutes, I finally had three people, three kids that finished something. And I said, okay, talk to me. What is this? And no, it was two kids because one kid did it the way I did it. Because when I was waiting, I was like, well, I'm just going to do one. And of course, I did it by place value, 10 and four, Mm -hmm. 10 and eight did all my sections. And when one kid brought it over, it was the second kid. He did it the same way I did. But the first kid, you ready for this? Yeah. He chopped up the 14 with seven and seven. And then the 18 is nine and nine. So he had four 63s. And then on the side, he wrote 63 plus 63 plus 63. (laughs) But you know, he got it. Yeah. And I said, look at yours, look at mine. Did and I said, I didn't, I didn't figure out my total area. So I gave him my paper. I said, here, go figure out my total area. And he did. And he came back and we talked about how it was the same. And then right. a, a couple other kids, I, I was like, come on over here. And I showed them, you know, mine, the other kids that was the same. And then the other students that was different. And I said, this is what we're going for. Something like this. And I said, try again, you know, and now I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, oh, they have to leave. So a couple of other kids had finished, brought it to me, and I gave them a blank one. And I say, make up your own problem over the weekend. And those of you that did not finish the 18 by 14, I want one done. Like I want this. Done. And I, 
Again, this was the teacher that doesn't require homework, which I don't require homework either, but I just need them to do this one problem to make right. sure they even understand what area was. And you know what happened? Because it was the day before this when one of the students, when I had broken it up and I put, you know, something plus something and she got so stuck. It was, was it 52 times three or 50? It was 54 times three. Okay. So she did 50 and the four and then the three and she puts the line down. But then that plus, I, I said, may I write on your paper? And she says, yes. And I put the plus sign there and the X yeah. over here and it completely threw her off. She was like, why are you putting a plus here? And I went home and of course, you know, while I'm taking my shower or getting ready in the morning, cause my mind, that's when I'm like, yeah, decompress. Yes. Yes. I said, oh my God, she doesn't understand that 54 is 50 plus four more. So before I did that whole area thing with them, I brought them all over to the white book and right. I, I did that whatever, I did another problem and I had her right next to me. And I was like, do you see how it's, you know, I still don't know if she understands that. I don't think they do. I don't, they don't understand the area model. I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of teachers don't even understand that it's a length. Right. We pull the squares out too soon. Yeah. I think that's the problem. It's a length times a width. Like, they don't get that they can decompose it however they want. You know, if you do have – so my my thing was was this. or When you were talking, it reminded me of something that I saw a student do. She had to multiply – I mean, she had to multiply a lot of numbers, but one thing that she was having a hard time with was nine times nine. Mm-hmm. And I, I watch her work and she's she's writing nine nines, like to add them up. Oh, Jesus. Like, and all like, the room for error. Yeah. And like nine, 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 like all the, like just stacked up standard algorithm. Just right. I'm going to add all these up. And I'm, and she starts with like the first nine and the second nine and the third nine. And I'm like, okay, okay, stop, 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 stop. I, I take a circle and I did the same thing. I'm like, can I write on your paper? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, can I, I'm going to circle these five nines. Do you know what five nines are? And then on her fingers, of course, she's like, she, five, she goes 10, right, 10, right, 20, right, right. Yeah. So she goes up to 45 and I said, no, yes. For, yeah, yes. 45. 45. Oh yeah. my God. It's been a I'm long week. I'm with you. Okay. I know. I know. <laughs> and then we're left with four nines, right? And I said, well, do you know what two nines are? She's like 18, right off the bat. Like, right? No thinking, no needed. Like she knew. I'm like, okay, so that's two 18s. So like now what? She's like, well, I guess I could add the 45 and the 18 and the 18. I'm like, yes, you could. And that makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? And she's like, oh yeah. She's like, that's much easier. <laughs> but like she did not so she hasn't made that connection right so she's still no. in additive yes. thinking or even she counting hasn't. yeah I, I feel like so many of them are still in that counting thinking mm-hmm, and reasoning mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of even additive see yeah. I think I now that you said that I would have gone for 10 nines I would have uh, I said that yeah. next but she already had her nines right and I didn't know she's very she loves addition so I don't know – I mm. still don't know how comfortable she is with subtraction. Mm-hmm. And I, I've noticed that a lot of my students, um, even subtracting and like knowing those combinations of tens, they're not 
maybe they don't really know that. Yeah. <laughs> and we're in fifth grade, you know. I, um, did I not tell you I have kids in fifth grade that still don't know that they have five fingers on their hand? Oh, boy. They don't own that yet. Boy. Yeah. But yes, let's rush them through the third grade curriculum and get them into fourth right. grade and fifth grade. And fifth grade. And yeah. And yeah. so that the, in seventh grade, they can be taking algebra one. Right. Because God forbid they don't take calculus before they graduate high school. Oh, boy. Yes, people were being very sarcastic here. It's Oh, boy. All right. I'm going to go to my good news. Yes, go. Okay. At the time we are dropping this episode, I have just a few days before I am leaving on a jet plane. Where am I going? I'm going to DC for the NCTM <laughs> and NCSM conferences. And you're going to hug so many people. I am. I am. And I know, Karina, I'm sorry. You're going to have FOMO. We just have to figure out a way to get you there next year. Well, first I got to get you to FCTM and that's here. That's <laughs> no, in Orlando. Listen, I, I've got, I've got my eye on that building thinking classroom. Um, <gasps> yeah, Arizona conference in Arizona. I'm telling you, but yep. anyway, keep going. Yeah. So uh, yes, I'm going to hug a whole bunch of people that I know and don't know yet, but I will yes. at the two conferences. And I know is I'm going to be- Is this the one that Joe Bowler's at? Yes. I think I've decided <laughs> which book to bring. I think okay, I'm, which one? I'm going to bring my hardcover of What's Math Got to Do With It because- I was going to say, I think you have to bring, I was going to tell you to bring that one. If you weren't going to oh. say it, I was going to tell you, you have to. Because that's that, the one that's that changed. The, yes. yes. <laughs> you You have to. You have to get that one. I know. I know that if nothing else, that's the one book I need signed. Yeah. Yes. You know, I, I agree I, with I'm you. I'm probably going to have to bring a few others, but I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see when I actually start packing. And I think I'm going to have to check a bag. Just saying, pay my, <laughs> probably. Pay my 30 or $35 on JetBlue each way. And uh, yeah, <laughs> probably. It's a week, you know? Yeah. I mean, can I pack in a carry-on? Yes, but as you roll your eyes. <laughs> but do I have to? No, just no. suck it up and pay the extra money, right? That's <laughs> funny. My good news is I was actually reminded by my principal how important it is or how um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Beneficial. How beneficial, thank you. Beneficial it is to take yourself out of the rotation of your small group. So what I've done is I have, I have my like rotation of kids, like, you know, centers that kids do. And again, I don't do this daily, depends on what we're doing that day. And, uh, but when I do rotations, I, uh, in the past, like the last two years, I've kept myself in the rotation and just kept, you know, kept me in. So like I'm station eight or whatever, or seven or whatever. But I decided, you know, I should really revisit this idea of taking myself out. She said something about it. I said, let me try it again. And I remember when I did it a few years ago that I did love it. I did like having the flexibility, right, to jump around and go to different stations, but also to just pull whoever I need to. Yes. And so I did it this week and it, yeah, it was great. I got to say, it was great. I saw so many more kids. I was able to sit with so many more students because usually my rotation is about eight minutes long and I'll stay with that same group of three kids 
or four kids for that duration and then send them off their way. But this allowed me to just, okay, you three come, let's do this question. Okay, now goodbye, go back to your groups. And now you three come, come and we're going to do a problem or a question. So I was just able to tailor it a little bit better and I saw so many more kids. So I'm really happy with that. Uh, And I wanted to share that. If you are still in your own rotation, take yourself out, try it out, see uh, what you think about it. I would love to hear what people, what people do. And even I'm thinking, you know, you get to, if you wanted to walk around and do observations and conversations on the spot. So if a kid is playing a fluency game, and yes. they're recording it, you can ask them about it and check. Yes. Okay, now you know they know blah, 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 whatever the thing right. is. Right. I don't have to pull, you know, quote unquote, pull a group every time. Right. I can go visit a group and then exactly, I have my anecdotal notes there. I can see, I can even go see what they're working on on the computer program mm-hmm. that we use for our district, see what they're working on. So it allows me a lot more flexibility, which I like. Yeah, you can even pull a one-on-one conference with a child. Like, it, there's so much. It's so much better. Yep. Yeah, I'm not restricted. I love that. All right, listeners, and now a conversation. You're gonna love this with Annalise Record. Listeners, we have our first repeat guest, our Yay! first two timer. But that doesn't <laughs> sound good, right? <laughs> that's that's not great. <laughs> But this is great. This this episode is going to be fantastic. I have been waiting for Wait. this for a while, for uh, like a month and a half now. I was going to say right. almost two months you have been almost waiting for this. two months. So I cannot wait to hear from you everything, everything that you two have learned. I'm rubbing my hands together. This is going to be so good. So listeners, we have Annalise Record back to let you know who's here. Say hi. Yeah, we didn't even say. I know. <laughs> Like, we're just going to jump in and start talking about it. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, we we had the pleasure, uh, Laura and I, of attending the Building Thinking Classroom's first conference ever in Franklin, Indiana. And what what a a time that was. What an incredible opportunity. I was so, so grateful. Uh, Not only to have gone there, but to have you there as well, Laura. What a ball we had together. It was awesome. And, of course, we missed... Karina. We really did. We talked about you a lot. (laughs) Aww. Saying, oh my God, Karina would love this. I know. I know. I'm going to try very hard to to get there next year. Arizona, right? Arizona. Arizona. That's all I know. I don't know anything else about it yet. I don't know the dates. I don't even know who's putting it together. Uh, Well, Kim Remby is. She is the uh, program chair. And uh, yeah. And so um, I'm on the committee. Ooh, I don't think I knew that. I don't know any details yet. We haven't met yet. or I mean, I haven't met with them in a meeting yet, but I'll be able to be uh, listening in on the conversations of the planning for it. So super, super excited. So now we know who's in the know. (laughs) Kim Rumpy is one of the consultants. So as we learned at the conference is that uh, Peter has a bunch of Peter Lilliadal, the the author of Building Thinking Classrooms, now has a team of four so far um, of consulting team for him. And um, April Strom and Kim Rimby are uh, the two women, and there are two men. There's Chase Orton, and there's Jared Sliger. 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 Sorry. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean, sorry, I didn't mispronounce that. 
Uh, but the, the four of them were there with Peter for this experience. So it was just wow. uh, so awesome. And so I had um, gone to one of Kim's sessions and chatted with her and, and she's just awesome. So. Okay. But we have to start from the beginning because yeah, okay. I have not told Karina anything. Nothing. Nothing. Zero. Okay. Wednesday night I had volunteered at registration and I knew that one of our listeners, Christine, was also going to be volunteering there at registration. And she was, I swear she was the first person we gave a shout out to because I think she was the first one to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Okay. Okay. So I go there, I get my bright yellow volunteer shirt and I'm standing next to this woman and I was like, Christine? And she was like, yes. And I was like, I'm Laura. And so gave each other a huge hug, of course. And she was like, oh my God, this is so weird. I'm putting the person with the voice, right? Because she's been a listener since the beginning. And, right. you know, it's different when you see the person in real life, if you totally. only heard them. Heard the voice. Yep. So we're, we're at registration for, I don't remember, maybe three hours. And I brought my mom because I was like, what are you going to do? Hang out at the hotel? So she came with and she just, uh, she was sitting and just watching and observing everything. And at one point I told the registration people behind that when Amy Chang comes, please let me know because we have a mutual friend in, in what's the word I'm looking for? Mariah Carrington. In, yeah, but in, Mariah. yeah. Oh, in common? In common. Oh my God. Okay. People, we're recording this on the Friday night after the first day of school back without kids, just with the teachers. So I'm at a loss for words. Okay. So anyway, I'm registering people. And as soon as I see somebody I know, I just hightail it over to the person. Cause you know, Annalise wasn't the only person that I knew. I knew that Tammy was going to be there and Nicole was going to be there and, and other people that I had known from Twitter who were going to be there. So Annalise comes in and of course I, I make a beeline for her. My mom takes a picture of us hugging, which was great. Of course. Yeah. And yeah. then what happened? Because your knee, you, you needed to sit, right? I did. And so she put me in a room with her mom and I got to visit with her mom for an hour. <laughs> But people come in. I feel like Tammy and Nicole came in too. Did. Yes, they eventually did. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Oh awesome. So Great funny. way to start. <laughs> We're all connected, right? Oh, that's a treat though. Laura's mom is awesome. She sure is. Absolutely. So we finished registration and Tammy had set up. Tammy's one of the facilitators of the K2 Building Thinking Classrooms Facebook group, along with Nicole. So Tammy had set up a, a meet, a gathering at the Starbucks right near our hotel. So there were two hotels near the Starbucks, the Hampton Inn, which is where I was staying, and the Fairfield, which is where Tammy was staying. So we get to the Starbucks and she had set it up for seven. I probably got there at like 7.15. And I mean, Annalise, there was at least a dozen of us, right? Yeah, I would say probably about 12 of us. Exactly. Yeah. And we're all yapping and everything. 7.55, the Starbucks guy comes over and was like, um, we close at 8. We're like, okay. <laughs> so I said, well, which lobby do you want to go to? Hampton Inn or Fairfield? And who said, somebody said. Um, I don't know who knew. I don't know who knew either. I heard that Peter's staying at the Fairfield. Um, we're like, let's go to the Fairfield. So we get to the Fairfield. We're sitting in the lobby 
And I take a group photo of all of us and I post it on Twitter saying, Peter, we're waiting for you. We're all waiting for you. Right. And we're all having this fabulous conversation. And was it Tammy who, who made the, (gasps) like the big, and I'm facing away from the doors. She's facing the doors. And I was like, what? And she goes, Peter just got here. Like he's getting out of his Uber and we're all like, okay. We got to keep it together. Don't like fangirl, like don't be that person, but we're all dying inside. And he right. comes in and we all like, woohoo. And there were some other people in the uh, lobby as well who got to him first. And I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. did you all mm-hmm. DM him on Twitter? I don't think so. But anyways, so they said hi. And then he came over, his wife, Teresa came over and we're all hugging him, meeting him. And he is the most down-to-earth person just Mm -hmm. so gracious so gracious made time for everyone you know and then we take a group photo and I didn't I don't know if you noticed but there was another guy in our photo and I was like who who jumped in our picture and then who stayed with us and it turns out it was Brendan who we also uh just did a recording with yes and next thing I know I said okay well I have a car who who needs a ride tomorrow because they also had a bus come to the hotel. But you know, if you want to get there earlier, the bus is on the schedule. So I ended up being the Uber for Brendan, other Laura, who's from new England and Heidi. And I don't remember where Heidi's from. So we all decide, okay, we're meeting at whatever time in the morning. So the morning comes, I go downstairs to breakfast now, Annalise, you didn't stay in either one of those hotels. No, you were, I was in a different. They were already sold out. They by the time were. I chose to go. Yeah. So the first morning, oh, I forgot to tell you, the night before, I get to the hotel and to you know the Hampton, and who do I see? Chase, right now. Chase Annalise mm-hmm. and I, because of Annalise, had we had done a, a book study with Chase's the imperfect and unfinished math teacher. And Chase had come on almost every time, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, he we've seen each other in the box like we're doing now. And he was so dead tired, like so tired. And of course, I give him a hug, tell him who I am. And he said something about Aaron. And I'm thinking Aaron like a guy, A-A-R-O-N. And um, so the next morning, I'm down at breakfast. I sit with Brendan and Laura and Chase. And I hear Chase say, I'll be ready in a few minutes. And I look at this woman who passes by and I was like, is that Aaron Null? And he says, yes. I said, excuse me. So I have been chatting and texting and emailing Aaron for a few years now. She's the editor at Corwin. She is phenomenal, right? So of course I go up to her and hug her. You know, okay, I'm not going to say I hug because I hugged everybody. Just and assume she hugged everyone that she met. I, <laughs> I really did. Even people yeah. that I just met for the first time. <laughs> so I had a great conversation with her. They left. We left. Got to the first day. And the first thing I have written down is Peter's keynote. Is that what you mm-hmm. have written down? Yes. Yep. Okay. His opening keynote. Go ahead and and pick up from there because honestly, I have two things written down from that because I think I was just like, I'm listening to all of this. And of course, I got the photo and picture with Peter every day, just saying, and hug. Okay, go ahead, Annalise. Well, I didn't keep track in terms of like 
sessions. I have like topics of some of the notes that I have been looking over all that I had learned over the course of those couple of days. What was really neat was the structure of the conference was a little bit different than what a typical conference is where they had, because it was all focused on building thinking classrooms and on Peter and his team of consultants presented all day, both days. So you not only had his team and himself, but you also had teachers who have been doing it in their classroom. Like just people. And so there were like 30 sessions at each time period to choose from. There was so many things to choose from various grade levels from primary to, um, to high school. Um, wow. It was just so awesome. It was, it was hard. I, I, I actually joked on Twitter that I was having that FOMO fear of missing out. <laughs> and I was actually there because there were right. so many sessions. Like I can't be in more than one place at one time. You really yeah. can't. So, um, it's physically impossible. Yeah. And what was so cool, how it was so focused on the, the BTC was that they had like his opening keynote. Then they had these concurrent sessions, but he also had fireside chats. So we were all given one ticket and he was doing six of them. And you had to choose which one session did you want to go to. And they were different topics. So um, that was over the course of the two days. Um, but they also had panel discussions. So at the end of day two, they had a panel discussion where they had teachers for an hour um, answering questions from a moderator um, and, and the audience of their experience engaging in BTC in their classroom. And then we had a panel discussion with Peter and his uh, consultant team as well for another hour. And then we had a Peter closing keynote. So, oh, we also, yeah. on the end of the first day, Courtney did a live podcast session with him right. in the auditorium. So we all got to be there and listen. Right. So such a nice combination, wow. a combination of like sessions to have people present. Also, they had a lot of sessions that were roundtable discussions by your role, by your uh, grade levels. And uh, Laura is one of the facilitators. So I went to her session as the facilitator uh, for administrators and coaches. So the leaders um, just kind of collectively talk together about in this role as 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 leaders of schools and districts. What can we do to help incorporate and, and begin the journey and facilitate the discussion, the, the journey of BTC? So such a wide variety of time to learn and grow and hear panel discussions where that was the only yeah. thing at that time. So you were all in the big amphitheater listening to that and then breakout sessions of in classrooms. Um, the, the facility was gorgeous. It was at Franklin uh, Community yeah. High School and it was amazing. I mean, first of all, super clean. Okay. Like yeah. super clean. Thank God it was air conditioned because that didn't even cross my mind that it wouldn't be, but they had sent right. out an email before saying, yes, the high school is air conditioned and the desks and chairs were actually comfortable. Really? Yeah. That's shocking because when we went to the In conference June? right mm -hmm. before, before that, I mean, we were having trouble. I, my back was hurting. My thighs were hurting. From I was standing. I know. Same with me. I stood up because it was impossible to sit in those yeah. in those desks. Yeah. So, oh, so good. And yeah, they so moved good. almost a thousand people through the lunch line in the cafeteria in less than 15 minutes. Like wow. we had boxed lunches and they were all put in different sections. And it was like, just go in, grab your box. And they had bottles of water on the way out. I was so impressed with that. Like the, the keep Indiana learning people who put this conference on, I literally cannot give them any more props 
than I can. Like it was so well organized, so well executed and like seamless. And yeah, it was probably the most organized, the most organized, well-run conference I've ever gone to. And it was, you've been it to tons. It was yeah. And it yeah. was, su- it is such a welcoming environment. It, it just, I just, it felt different. It felt like we're all, you're all like-minded. All of us yes. here want equity for every single child. All of us want kids to think and not mimic. All of us are engaged in that learning that we know we are never going to be finished learning. We all right. will learn together, right? Like that, to have a whole 895 people at a conference, all like-minded, dedicated to this building thinking classrooms. And some people had asked, like they were curious, how could you put a conference on in like one topic like that? There were hundreds of sessions on right. all different kinds of topics because it's not just one thing, BTC, right? right? It is so much to it. 14 practices mm-hmm. as well as new things coming out because since the book came out, he's been le- continuing his research. There's more things to talk about, let alone the different grade levels and different kinds of tasks. And it was just phenomenal. It was just phenomenal. One thing that Peter did say was that BTC is a dance that Peter isn't the only one who knows the moves to. I wrote that one down, mm-hmm. you know, that we're all on this journey together but mm-hmm. the the 14 practices, the framework, and he kept saying, this is a framework, you know, it's not a curriculum. It's not. Right. It's honestly, it's like best, best practices. Like we mm-hmm. talk about yeah. best practices all the time, right, Karina, in our schools? Yeah. Yep. This is like the best of the best practices. Right. Wouldn't you say that, Annalise? Absolutely. Yeah. It like elite, elite practices. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to steal that, Karina. It is. It's the elite practices. Yeah. The elite practices. Hashtag the elite practices. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We're going to do that one for sure. <laughs> one of my favorite phrases that he repeated it several times um, was we're trying to keep, take our kids from accountability into responsibility. That the accountability piece, I hear this a lot in my consulting work of uh, the people that have math workstations where I want the kids accountable for their time that's there, Right. It's almost like it's a, a drudgery of, I, I don't trust them to do what they're supposed to be doing, so I want them accountable for that time that they spent, as opposed to encouraging the kids to build responsibility for their own learning. That it's mm. not just us imparting knowledge into their brain of the I do, we do, you do, and they're mimicking things we're showing them how to do. It's building their identity, that they believe they can learn math, and their agency by showing us with their actions that they believe they can figure out the math, and that responsibility of that ownership of their own learning, I think it's such a beautiful aspect and, and byproduct of this, of this journey. And one thing that I have written right above all of that was he said, homework is a dumpster fire because the goals of the teacher and the goals of the students are vastly different. So why, yeah. why do we want homework? Uh, yeah. The teachers are like, so the kids, we know that the kids get it. And what, what else? Like, what are the reasons? And it's we just- a safe place for them to feel comfortable making mistakes and exploring. Yeah. And then and- you ask kids why they do homework and they're like, for grades. Yeah. My teacher told me to. My parents make mm-hmm. me. Right. There's no, there's no, there's a disconnect. There's, there's not a sense of purpose that's the same. The kids aren't seeing it in that way, which is why they changed the phrase to be check your understanding. And it's right. not 
it's not required and it's not graded. And, it, and ideally, he says he wants it happening in the class time and not done right. at home. That it's a time for kids to check in with their own understanding. How are you doing with this? And here are some some choices. And in fact, he mentioned that. Um, that's one of the, the big takeaways I had of his last session was like, what's coming next? So his opening keynote was about what is the history of BTC? When did this start? Like way back right. when, because he's been doing this research for decades. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. he even presented on it. It didn't go anywhere. But then a couple of years later, it started with a tweet and then it like caught on fire. And now it's, you know, it's everywhere. But um, so in, in this last session keynote about what's next, he talked about this check your understanding and having uh, several examples and labeling them as mild, medium, and spicy. Now, I loved this discussion because me too. my textbook, when I was teaching in my grade five class, there were pages in my workbook that were like the regular paper, and then there was like the expert, and then like the remedial. And, right. like, and they were labeled on the top like R, P, E, like extension. Oh, no. Ours actually say reteaching and enrichment. Oh. Okay. Right. And what I loved, I never thought of before, is that those terms that we use, and even like on rubrics we create tend to label the learner and not yeah. the task. Right. We're talking about the kids in like a fixed mindset of this is the learner, they're a remedial learner, as opposed to preferences. There are some tasks that are mild. There are some that are medium, some that are spicy. And it's a preference of where do you want to start? And that was the big thing in his research was not here are uh, six problems that I want you to do. It's um, asking the students, here are, you know, three of each kind, mild, medium, spicy, where are you going to start? It's up to the kids to decide where they're going to begin and then where they go next. So they need our prompting to where are you going to go next and to get them going. But um, I love how it's labeling the task and not the kids. And any kid can start wherever they want. It's not yeah. a matter of, oh, you can't do the spicy one right now. You're not ready for that. It's up to right. the child to decide right. as a preference of which one do they want to do. I loved, loved, loved that. And, and I love to- the idea of them being responsible. Like that's that ownership, right? Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. of if you're asking them where are they going to start, then it, it puts it on them as opposed to you must do one from each category, right? Like you don't want to make it like that. Yeah, that's when I've seen mild, medium, spicy, and I've I've thought about doing homework that way, my my – biggest concern is that parents would force them to answer all the questions. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm hesitant to, to send it home. And I, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to just keep it in the classroom because I don't want the parents to mess with that. You know what I mean? Yes. A hundred percent. So what are you yeah. going to send home for homework or home learning? You're going to send games. You're going to send Ken Ken. You're going to, you're going to send stuff that is fun. Yeah. And right? review, review, review stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the other thing, so to finish what Annalise started with the mild, medium, spicy, he also said, there's no such thing as extra spicy. Okay. So okay. once you're in the spicy category, you stay in the spicy category. And I wrote down, there's no Hades Inferno. Like <laughs> it doesn't get hotter and hotter and hotter. You just add problems in spicy. And you probably just add problems in mild and medium too if the kids need them. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but mm-hmm. because you, again, we never want the kids to finish their learning. Right. 
So it's not like, oh, I got to get to the Hades Inferno one. No, there's no such thing. Mm. Right. Yeah. And that's the issue, too, of the homework of like, here are the problems for you to do. Their research found that when you told them, I want you to do one of each kind, that they would do those and stop. They did yeah. what you asked them to do, as opposed to where are you going to begin? They th- And because it wasn't expected and it wasn't going to be graded, because they're building a climate where kids want to problem solve and want to learn and grow together and, and do it even collaboratively, they would do more and more and they, they clamor for more. It was no stopping point because it wasn't presented in that way. Right. It's yeah. kind of like when you say, okay, time's up. And the kids would groan and moan because they yeah. wanted to keep going. Right. When right. your kids are like, can we stay inside for a recess so we can finish this? Or yeah. can we have lunch in here so we can work, keep working on it? You know, I mean, what? Like, yeah. who mm-hmm. wouldn't do that? You know, right. I'd right. give up my lunch for that. Right. Another aspect of that that I really was um, that I, I had not heard him talk about before that I really love is at the end of a lesson. So when we do lessons in the thin slicing format where we have taken a bunch of, let's say, expressions yeah. and they're they're nudging the kids as it goes down to get harder and harder. Right. We have the entry mm-hmm. level at the beginning of the thin slices. We're giving the kids them one at a time. It is not. Here's 10. You give right. one. Everyone gets working. And then when a group has done that first one, they'll go on to the second one. So facilitating that um, also makes sure that kids aren't, I I love a quote that he said that kids can't be present when we constantly remind them of the future, whether Mm -hmm. we set a timer. Can you say that again? Because that's super important. Kids are not able to be fully present in the learning when we keep reminding them of the future. Right. That that Mm -hmm. hurry up. You only have five more minutes. If you don't finish it, it's going to be for homework or giving them an entire worksheet and thinking about a student who is not quite grasping what you are presenting. And now here's a worksheet for you to do. And I, in my fifth grade classroom, thought I was doing the right thing by, well, if you don't finish it in class, feel free to finish it at home. Right. Like that was my kids who were able to catch on and and, well, I shouldn't say catch on. They were able to mimic what I asked them to do procedurally. Mm -hmm. Right honest um they had no homework but my kiddos who didn't catch on had to bring it home for homework and I thought I was doing a good job of like I wasn't rushing anyone to get it done in class and I wasn't giving a brand new homework at night but now I realize oh my gosh like my kids who were not as as a quick um mimickers in, mm-hmm. in getting it on that paper were kind of like punished of having homework like of bringing it home and of course uh a lot of the kids that do bring home homework like um, they don't know understand it. So asking them to do it at home isn't going to change anything because they didn't quite understand it. And they don't have the support right. at home, particularly in the ways that we're changing the way we're teaching math. They don't have the support from the parents because the parents don't understand the way that we're doing it now. And it tends to just reinforce the ways that we're kind of de-emphasize of algorithms too soon in the journey. So, so if you're a parent and you're listening, stop rushing to the algorithm the way that we were taught. <laughs> There's a reason why we're doing what we're doing, the way we're doing it now. Exactly. Another thing that the panel said was that the shared goal is that we want students to learn. It's not Mm -hmm. getting through the curriculum. It's not covering the curriculum. It's getting the students to learn. And yes, we, Karina, you and I have pacing guides and everything, but you know what? It's a suggestion to me at this point. I mean, I'm starting year 32 and the more and more I learn, the more and more I'm going to 
keep being more of a math rebel because now I know that this is what's best for kids and we have to stand up for them because if we don't stand up for the kids, who will? Yeah. I think that's an important point that you mentioned too of that, um, that with a thin slicing type tasks, that the expectation is not that every group will get to the end. Right. If you are thinking the entire time you have done your part, you've done the part that I've asked you to do, then it also becomes the consolidation part of the lesson, right? It's not just kids at whiteboards working. We as teachers are kicking in at the end of the lesson of the consolidation piece and the note-taking piece, which also has been new since the first book came out that we should talk about. Um, That's the power. He mentioned how um, people have, have, you know, had an issue of they'll watch kids be successful working in a group but when you ask them to do it individually let's say on an assessment or some kind right. of thing that the kids aren't able to do it independently and what he yes. says is that's the power of the consolidation the consolidation is the time where we're able to move from what they did in the group into that independent work and I know for myself when I taught I knew closure was the most important part of my lesson rarely did it Ran out of right. time. time Always. For lunch, grab things, right? Like, Always. I, I was told the last thing kids hear is what they remember. But did I, as often as I should have, provide a good closure to my lesson? No. And I could totally see this. But I'm thinking classrooms, kids are up and out of their seats and they're doing their things. And then, oh, we're out of time. Yeah. Did we have that time to consolidate the learning and have kids focus and think on it and have the note taking to help? remember for their future forgetful selves that's that's the power and and the facilitation that we provide as the teachers okay um, you know, ongoing during that time but then the, the consolidation sorry i have a sentence here note making instead of note taking they're not Ooh. taking notes they are making notes and then the next sentence i have so these are all quotes right is never underestimate a student's ability to overestimate their ability to remember. I'm going to say that again. Never underestimate a student's ability to overestimate their ability to remember. So that whole, like, I need to make meaningful notes so that three weeks from now, when I forget it, it'll kick right back in. Another thing I have um, written down about when you were talking about consolidation is that students are like Swiss cheese. They all have holes. But when they're working together in those groups and consolidating, 60 to 70% will fill in their holes. Mm. Wait, what? Like, that was an amazing statistic. And I also wrote down- He had an image of the Swiss cheese. Yes. And and he had the image of three slices- and those holes are gone. Right. Because yeah, when you try I to pull the that. pieces apart, the holes get yeah. filled in. Right. 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 But I also have consolidation is hard, but powerful and valuable, which is why we literally need to set a timer so that we don't yeah. run out of time. But if we do run out of time, what do we do? We consolidate the next day. We make those yeah. meaningful notes the next day. Like, again, we're never done learning. Yeah. Oh my God, I have so many other things. I love that Swiss cheese thing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so, ugh, that's such a good analogy. Oh, I know what I, I want to get back to. So we talked about um, different kinds of consolidation. So when we think about a task, 
that's a rich task that has multiple solutions, right? And, mm-hmm. and lots of different ways to get to an answer. That kind of task, it's helpful to do a gallery walk where we're walking around, seeing the posters. We can ahead of time have been selected certain posters for certain reasons of the work to share with the kids. And to remember that when we go over to that poster, we ask who wrote that poster. And right. they, they're also eager to share. We tell them, you can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else. And they get so deflated. Like, what? Like, they're so used to, it's our turn to share what we did. But then no one else is listening to it. So you say, okay, you guys can't talk. But everyone else, can we tell from their their writing on this board what their thinking was, right? That just changes everything so, so importantly. And so that gallery walk works well for those kinds of tasks that are like that. But a thin slicing task, which is, um, I, I think of the thin slicing mostly as a computational work where I'm doing yes. like double digit yes. addition. And so I'm going to have yes. some that has no regrouping and then suddenly it'll go across a regrouping and now... We're going to regroup across a 100 as well, like intentionally making that sequence of computational things. Um, And so he says for that, gallery walks are not as powerful, but instead what he suggests is that we choose one mild, one medium, and one spicy, put them out of order, and ask the kids to put them in order. And Ah. why would they put them in that order? Which of these do you think is mild and why? So it, it makes them really analyze the the whatever the topic is he had an example of two digit addition and an example of a polynomial for high school so it's it's not limited to any grade level you have three examples and ask the kids which one do you think is mild which is medium and which is spicy and i love that aspect as well yeah i have two other things written in that same section annalise and i'm so glad you talked about that the because I wrote, I may have written them in the wrong order. What's the right order? And I had no context with it other than it's near the consolidation thing. So I just wrote myself a note for the mild, medium, spicy problems that maybe we put up, right? But with the gallery walk, he said, you're taking informal and unstructured thinking and you're putting it into formal and structured thinking. So that's when with the whole consolidation thing with the gallery walk, like, you know, as a teacher, I'll take my expo marker and put it around the ones that I don't want kids to erase, the ones that I want them to talk about. And I'm sequencing them either, you know, on my whatever I'm carrying, a post-it or whatever, and or in my head. And so when we get to, you know, group whatever, the seven of hearts board, and they were the first ones, that's when you do the, okay, who who's at this board? You can't say anything, right? But then moving from the easiest problem to the more challenging. Am I trying uh, did I say that right? Like, you know, like Yeah, I mean, yeah it's got the entry for every student right. right now to enter. And it might be some review problems. It might be a couple of review to get them started. Because I also love him saying is we hear a lot about productive struggle mm-hmm. and how important productive struggle is for the brain to learn. But what he says is that kids are more willing to engage in productive struggle on the heels of success. Mm-hmm. When you've done a couple and you're like, oh, we're kind of on a roll. And now we hit the next one and there's a little bit of a wrench in there. We're more willing to think through together on that because we've had a couple that we've gotten right. If we're going out of the gate to one that kids don't quite know how to do, they're not as willing to engage in the productive struggle. They're like so defeated before they've even started. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that frustrating struggle, the unproductive right. struggle, right? Right. Yeah. I want to come back to the meaningful notes for a second because- he talked about dead notes. 
and dead notes are the slowest photocopiers on the planet. I loved that. It's like, just if, <laughs> if you want the kids to copy something down in your class, just write it, photocopy it, and hand it to them. Those are your dead right notes, on. right? That's so nice. the kids just copying down, I loved that, is the slowest photocopier on the planet. And he said, students aren't learning because they're not cognitively present. All they're doing is looking up and copying word by word or, right, or right. number by number. Letter or, by, but, or letter, letter by letter, letter sometimes. Exactly. Like, yeah. And he gave an example of, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if he did it or someone else had done it, but in the notes the kids were taking, it said, if you are reading this, stop taking notes. I wrote that down. It's it says, reading. if you read this sentence, you can stop writing. And I was like, what, 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 what? So tell me what, why I wrote that, Annalise. Right. Because there were kids taking notes and oh. like three kids stopped writing and everyone else kept going. So like 27 out of 30 kids had written in their notes. If you, if you read this, this sentence, right now, you can stop writing. Can stop writing. And they so didn't process it. Nope. Right. Yeah. yeah. Writing marks on a paper. Oh. Yeah. That's yeah. like that's like the reading directions. You remember yes. that that the the big long yep. list of directions that you would it says read all the numbers to the very bottom. Read all the directions or whatever. Yeah. Yes. And For then you get to the bottom and it says just write your name and hand it in and you're done. And, yep, but exactly. no, none of the kids ever do that. And they go through each one. And some of them are ridiculous. Like say, Club, say your Club name as loudly as you can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. And the kids that read everything, all the directions before they started are laughing hysterically because they're yes. like, seriously, like read the directions, right? you know? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And so he's done a lot of research since the first book came out on note-taking. And he talks about it in the first book as being notes to our future forgetful self. Yes. But rarely do kids actually use the notes that they're taking. Do they actually yeah. go back and look at the notes? I think it's – so it's not been a productive thing the way it has been done in the past. What he has found in the research since the book came out is to have four quadrants – so um, in quadrant one, imagine like a coordinate grid. The yeah. it's not the not the coordinate one, the quadrant one of a typical like it's coordinate the top. Grid. Left. You know, it ticks off everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's the top, top left, left section. <laughs> yeah, he, he labels quadrant one as the top left, and what that is is let's say that we're doing two digit addition today. It would be a fill in the blank of a worked example of the skill of the day. So the okay. kids are just filling in the blanks, but the structure is there for them of what was worked on that day. In the and would right that be upper, photocopied like ahead of time? No, or he, they just... Because you put it up on the board or project okay. it, and the kids are going to write it on the non-permanent vertical surfaces. So kids are still oh, in the group. Okay. They're standing up at the boards. They're going to copy from what you have on that board of the fill in the blank, and then they're going to fill in the blanks. As Together group. as a group. The group gotcha in the okay upper right hand corner is a worked example from the work of the day so it's not fill in the blank it's a structured solve this problem from today right right bottom right is they can make up their own problem of that example for today they have the okay. freedom to make up whatever they want and then bottom left is the um things, uh, things to, to remember. remember things to remember 
So you have that fill in the blank structured of today's focus upper right. You have a worked example and then bottom right, another worked example, but you've got free reign and the kids are doing this together. It's not an independent thing. And then bottom left is those, what do you want to remember? And so what he finds is that the kids as they're working together and they're seeing other people's boards, they get sparked ideas of what they want to do in the the open one and, and that it's really powerful. What you can then do as a teacher is take a picture of that and then that can get posted on your class site or that can be printed and taped into their uh, notebooks. I so have a not- photo of that, of exactly what you just described, but with the uh, coordinate plane as the example. So I'll put that in the show notes or I'll put it, put the picture on Twitter so everybody can see that. He does mention um, kindergarten and first grade. Uh, doing the first top two boxes you wouldn't go to the bottom two because it the, oh, okay. he talks about the need for these notes as incrementally getting more important as the kids go through schools school yeah. school um grades in school so in kinder first there's not as much need for kids to write notes to look back to but in high school right. it's a pretty important thing so right. he said you can kind of begin with like the top two boxes in the younger primary grades and then begin I'm thinking, do you think that even even for like a fifth grade classroom, maybe at the beginning of the year, because it might be a little too much to just do, you know, especially with kids who have never done BTC before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. So maybe exactly. just do the first two right. at the beginning of the year. And then as they get better, then we can bring in three and four. Absolutely. Do you think that or would be a good... You even could scribe. Like you could scribe the things to remember that the, and the class generate ideas all together. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. Yes. To have oh, I like that. Independently. Yeah. And then when yeah. you feel like they're ready and they're building um, their, uh, their ability to do that. And the yeah, other thing I, I, the other thing I wrote next to that section of exactly what you described, Annalise was use color, have the mm. kids use color. You know, Karina, when we did the teaching with the brain and mind conference, right? Yeah. Didn't we have a whole thing about three? I, I remember yes. three colors, no more than three yeah. colors because then it gets right. just distracting. But it's mm-hmm. like, we have color available. Have the kids use color because we know that that triggers different parts of your brain for memory. Yeah. 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 I mean, when, when I've done dead notes, I, I have, you know, used highlighter to help color it up, right? Mm-hmm. Because, it, I mean, it is boring if you're just looking at it just in pencil or pen. Yeah. I mean, who wants to look at your notes like that? No one's going to go back and read those. Annalise, I found out the it says quarter page liberating notes. So that's what it's called. This graphic organizer are called liberating notes. Oh, I love it. So not live notes, not dead notes, but liberating notes. How well, awesome is that? I- yeah, and that's what I think he also talks about in terms of building thinking classrooms is that it it, it liberates the kids to think. And I've mm-hmm. seen that over and over again in my consulting work in schools and districts that I'm beginning in toolkit one. I haven't yet gotten beyond that first toolkit yet because this is introducing it to my different schools and districts. But um, I'm witnessing kids showing thinking that the teachers have no idea that student was capable of. In a variety of ways, whether it's special education students, whether it's um, a kindergartner that wrote six times two was 12. She's like, I had no idea. It was about chickens. How many chickens, if if the farmer is seeing 12 legs out her window, how many cows or chickens could that be? And this kindergartner was like, 
it's six chickens. And I'm like, well, and he wrote down six times two is 12. But the teacher said, I have had him since September and I had no idea he thought like, mm. right? And this is happening more and more often as I do it more of like, somehow the way our traditional way of teaching math is keeping the thinking of the kids hidden from the teachers or yeah. it's only honoring the kind of, the, the kids who are able to put on paper and pencil the mm -hmm. thinking that they're doing. Uh, and there are a whole lot of kids who aren't able to do that. And because if that's the only way for us to find out their thinking, we have no idea the kids think. I, I had a student introduced to me as the lowest of the low. But as I was doing a math running record, one of my favorite stories, um, and I don't label kids high and low at all. Um, right. But she said he's the lowest of the low. And uh, I proceeded to interview him in front of 10 teachers. And I asked him nine times five. And he said, and he took forever. He said, 45. He said, well, I you, have. You said, nine. how did you think about said, it? As always in the math running record, right. I was like, so what did your brain just do? How did you just figure that out? Well, I have the nine to 4.5 and that times 10 is 45. <laughs> Lowest of the low fifth grader. Cause he wasn't giving her any written work. She's like, he's just a behavior problem. He, he he's just so low. He can't do anything. His thinking was through the roof. Arguably the best thinking I've heard interviewing yeah. a math running record with a kid, right? He was double in having, but not only was he double in having with the basic fact, he was having an odd number. Yes. And until that day, I was telling kids, you can't use double and half only when you have even numbers, right? right? Of course you can have an odd number. It just becomes a little wonkier with decimals. But he right. also knew that 4.5 times 10 was a shifting place value position. It wasn't just yeah. adding a zero at the end, which of course with decimals, it no longer works, right? His thinking was unbelievable. So I really have been witnessing this that the building thinking classrooms way for kids to engage in the problem solving is liberating them to think and show us what they know. Um, it's just so powerful. I, I just, it just gives me the chills every time that it happens. Okay. I'm looking at the time and I know that we try to keep our episodes within commute range. I think we're going to stop this one now, but Annalise, we haven't even talked about the breakout sessions yet. We haven't even talked about the coaches and consultants one that you and I went to. Like, mm -hmm. there's so much more that we need to debrief, but I think we're going to pause. We're going to stop the episode here. Sorry, listeners, but you're just going to have to wait until another time when Annalise comes on. <laughs> Wow. That was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for doing this, Annalise. This oh, was my pleasure. And it was great to have you both doing it because you were able to add so much to the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's so much more, Karina. Oh. All right. <laughs> well, I, have to, I have to just share one story because it's for the oh, beginning yeah, go. of the conference. I flew out of Boston. I live in New Hampshire. I went to Boston, flying out in Boston. And I have status on Delta because I fly so much that I got upgraded to Comfort Plus. I don't pay for it. I got a free upgrade because the seat was available. So nice. that was not my intended seat. So I'm going to line up to get my boarding pass. And I see another woman with a math t-shirt on just like mine. Similar, you know, having math. And I'm like, you must be going to Indiana to go to a math conference. She's like, yes, I am. Uh, her name is Laura Weiss. And I, I chatted with her. We chatted going down the walkway. We get onto the plane. I'm 7A and she is 7B. We were wow. sitting next to each other on the plane. Now, we didn't talk math the entire time. We actually both did our own thing for a little while. We did have some conversations, but <laughs> we had all weekend. So, Laura, that's the other Laura. That's that, other Laura. That's the other 
their Laura. And that's the Laura I Ubered. Uh, yeah, I remember you talking about the other Laura, and I was like, I have no idea who this other Laura is. So now, <laughs> see, the, the pieces universe, have come together. Like, bringing us together. Like, what are the odds? What are the odds? And I even got upgraded at the last second. It wasn't even wow. the feet. <laughs> wow. So funny. Oh, my gosh. Annalise, thank you so much for your time. We we really my appreciate pleasure. this. And I'll talk to you guys forever. I- <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. Thank you. Karina, yet another amazing conversation we have. And uh, we're, we're definitely having her back at least yes. one more time, if not yes. multiple times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because obviously 100%. we didn't finish the conversation today. No. We did have that conversation in August. Yeah. And I was that right when school started? I feel like it was yeah, right so. when we went back to work. Yeah. Another big blur. Okay, listeners, your challenge for this week is share anything you know about building thinking classrooms. And join us next week for part two. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.